This episode of the Mental Health Survival Guide podcast is brought to you in part by struggle. Struggle sounds like a bad thing and at times it can be. However, whenever we are working on ourselves, whether it's to fight addiction, improve our mental health, or maybe even reach our New Year's resolutions, we are bound to experience struggle. It's at this point that we sometimes fail, then give up on our goals. Well, in the years that I've been in recovery, I have learned that struggle is a sign of growth. It still stinks though, but it is something that we have to go through. And you know what else is a sign of growth? Failure. Whenever we are trying to do something that seems impossible, failure is almost guaranteed. But it's at this time that you need to remember that struggle and failure is worth it, completely worth it. And there are people out there in your life that deserve the best that you have to offer. But more importantly, you deserve to live a life that you love. So don't give up on yourself. Learn from your failing and embrace struggle. I know that you can do it. I'm Survival Nick. And joining me today on the Survival Guide is someone who I know helps make my community a better place to be. And her name is Kimberly Davis. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Oh, wow. So you were on an episode of the old Mental Health Survival Guide. Uh, I've been told I'm supposed to call that vintage or classic Mental Health Survival Guide. Uh, And at that time, you were running for office. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about that. And we didn't really touch upon a lot of the work that you do for the community and why you do that. So we're going to hopefully hit those points today. So I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I am super excited to be here too. I really love what you do in the community. And I loved your thing about failure. Every New Year's Day, I put up a post about failure is just an absolute necessity in life. And we are conditioned to think of it as a bad thing. Right. But the issue is when you think about a baby, a baby fails every day when it learns to crawl and then it learns, you know, imagine if a baby just stopped one day and said, nope, I failed. I can't do that anymore. You know, it's just, it's something we are conditioned to learn to think that failure is a bad thing. And to me, failure is never a bad thing as long as you learn something from it. I I loved finding out that failure was part of, 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 you know, growth because I was like, oh, wow. I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing That's by failing because right. I'm learning. So, That's right. right. So the theme of our this podcast is mental health survival, but it's also about finding the best that you can in yourself to connect with the community and also finding the things in the community and the people in the community that are helpers that can help you be the best person that you can be. Let's let's first let's talk about you. Who are you and what do you do? I am Kimberly Davis, and I am a uh, woman. I'm an American. I'm an elected official. I do not call myself a politician. I think that's a dirty word. Yep, a lot of people do. uh, Yes, so I'm the county treasurer. I have been since 2014, and I just started my third term in January. Ooh, third term. That's pretty good. Well, I hope that the voters think that I'm doing a good job and keep reelecting me. And uh, but you don't want someone who's new. Uh, being the treasurer every four years oh, because no. it I learn something all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are great county treasurers out there and we 
talk about best practices all the time in our email chains and ask each other questions. Um, so it's something that you want someone who knows what they're doing in that position. Well, that's cool. So you kind of have like a, a county treasurer support network, yes, right? Yes, do. That's really neat. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense because you kind of want to know what other counties are doing or how mm-hmm. they're handling certain problems. And right. our county is not necessarily different than others as far as how we act. But there are things that you need to know that are specific to this county, right. which you can only learn through struggle. Probably, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> you do a lot of charity work or what would be considered charity work. Right. Um, I know that you do that personally and you also do that as a member of an organization called the Kiwanis. Yes. Okay. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? I will do that. So Kiwanis is a global organization uh, dedicated to improving the world one child and one community at a time. So locally, it's the Kiwanis Club of Plattsburgh, or we call ourselves the Plattsburgh Noon Kiwanis Club because there are actually two in Plattsburgh. Um, But it's uh, a great organization with our sole focus being on kids and improving their lives. So how can you not want to do something like that? But what do you actually do? How do you do this? So in a couple of different ways. Um, We certainly know that we don't know everything and we're not going to reinvent the wheel. So there are great organizations in our community. That's how you and I probably got to know each other best uh, through NAMI. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, NAMI came to us and said, hey, we have this program that we want to do. We don't have any money for it, but it involves kids. And here's how many kids it's going to help. And, um, you know, so we donate money in that way. So Mm -hmm. we, we certainly raise money. Um, we're doing our vacation raffle now, so if anyone wants to buy a ticket, um, let me know. Okay. Uh, but that is how we fund the things we do. Then we also um, do projects ourselves. So, for example, we are very involved with Camp Jericho through the YMCA. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone of you have been there, there is Lake Kiwanis there, and there's the Kiwanis Lodge. We actually built that lake back in the 70s, I believe. Um, and each year we do a coin drive and that money that we raise that one day sends, you know, 15 to 25 kids of local military kids, uh, families to camp for two weeks for free to Camp Jericho every year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's a way to honor and recognize the sacrifice of veterans families. It's, you know, we always say, you know, support our troops, but that also means supporting their families, their spouses and their children are sacrificing as well. So, you know, when this idea came to me a couple of years ago, I, you know, on Veterans Day, I was watching a program and I said, well, how can we help the kids of these families? Because that's what we do in Kiwanis. And that's kind of where the idea was born was, you know, let's make sure that they're having, you know, a couple of weeks of fun every summer, uh, especially, you know, their families that can't afford to do that. So, It's really great to see those kids um, going to camp and enjoying it. Um, But that's just one of many projects we do. We also are very known for, we give dictionaries to every third grader in the area, um, even those who are homeschooled. So we've had actually, we've done it long enough that we have generational anecdotes where a parent will come and say, oh my gosh, my kid got their dictionary today and I remember when I got it. Oh, that's cool. And it's funny because a couple of years ago, someone decided to write a letter to the editor and say, what a waste that the Kiwanis is wasting their money. You know, everyone's got internet. They can look them up. Nobody uses a dictionary anymore. (sighs) 
That's that's not true. Right. So one of the reasons we do this is there are lots of kids in our community that don't have resources. And for some kids, we have had parents say this is the first book they've ever owned. Mm. Um, We've had teachers say we use it in class. And as someone, and and we'll talk about this later, who now lives in one of the more remote areas of our county, um, not everyone has internet access right. or reliable internet access. Right. So, um, you know, literature and um, reading, literacy are very important to us. We support programs there. We sponsor uh, youth physical education, whether mm-hmm. it's a baseball team or a hockey team, uh, autism walk. We do lots of things in the community, both funding-wise, but also participating. Okay. So what do you think drew you to being involved with the Kiwanis? Well, it's it's funny because my entire family is involved in volunteer firefighting. Oh, wow. So we always joked that growing up, our second home was the firehouse. And when I became of age, I wanted to be on the ambulance corps. At that time, still is in a lot of New York, You, the ambulance was a part of the fire department. So if you wanted to oh, join okay. the ambulance, mm-hmm. you had to join the fire department, right. which means you had to go through firefighter training. The commute, um, a lot of people don't think that Long Island has rural sections. It does. I was from one of them. Sure. So it was quite a commute to go to do this training months at a time. And so I thought, said to myself, I, you know, I need to find something else. Right. And so I worked with a woman who was in the Kiwanis Club in her town, Mm -hmm. and she was always talking about it. And I said, you know what, next time someone from, you know, this town comes in who's in Kiwanis, will you introduce me? I'd like to know more about it. And, you know, that's how the ball started to roll. A guy came in who I knew. Um, He invited me to a meeting, and it was great because I was 23 at the time. And as any service organization member will tell you, most service organizations are on the older side. And so here I was at 23, and most of the people in the room were at least my parents' age, if not older. Right. And I went to a couple of meetings, and I joined. But I think the thing that really resonated with me was that these people – who were older and wiser, Mm -hmm. wanted my opinion. They wanted my energy. They wanted my input. And that was really like, you know, we go through those times in our lives of being, you know, am I really an adult? Um, You know, those conversations we have with ourselves. But so that was really a a big turning. Oh, I do too. (laughs) (laughs) At 47. (laughs) Um, So that was really a big turning point in my life. And another um, thing that we do that maybe we shouldn't in uh, service organizations is we latch on when we have those young people want to join and and who have energy. So within a year, I became the club secretary. Whoa. Yes. And and it was really great because I wanted to do, you know, a good job. Mm -hmm. So I would spend like an hour a week on the Kiwanis International website and see all the programs and see what people were doing, not only in my neighborhood, but across the globe. Right. And and I was really hooked. And so when I moved to the North Country, I, of course, um, immediately found our local Kiwanis Club and, and Dr. Nancy Church at SUNY Plattsburgh was my academic advisor. And she invited me to join. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm a Kiwanian. And oh, really? So wow. here we are. Um, I think this last year I celebrated a day where more than half of my life I have been in Kiwanis now. 
Wow. I see a lot of people who get burnout in mm-hmm. this type of, of work, or mm-hmm. they do it for a little while, but not a lot of people stay. So. Yeah, we have, we have unfortunately, this, this last year, we lost a lot of longtime Kiwanians, um, Larry Carpenter, Charlotte Johnson, um, Al Light hadn't been a member for a couple of years, but, you know, some just giants yeah. uh, in our organization, Frank Sklenarik, and um, these people had been in for, you know, 40 and 50 years. Wow. And so... Well, there's got to be something there. There is. Right? I mean, and that's one of the things bringing it back to mental health is you feel great when you are helping somebody. Yeah. I mean, every year we do a food drive and when people come and they give food and they tell you their story. Yeah. I was in this position once or, you know, I, when those stimulus checks came, some people came up to us and said, you know, I don't need mine. So here I'm going to help somebody else that does. That's awesome. That makes you feel great. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I often tell people that helping people is one of the most selfish things that I do. And it is because I do it because it feels good. Yeah. And when you can be connected with an organization or even employment that lets you do that, mm-hmm. that's golden. That's that's yeah. beautiful. I remember the look on the face. So every year we, um, we buy a pediatric trauma kit for one of our local ambulance corps. And so that's kind of my way of getting back to the ambulance course. Right. But um, so every year Your we roots. do it to a, a local, and then every other year we give one to the, I believe CVPH has seven or eight ambulances. So we give one to them. And so I think the first year we did it, we gave one to the Morrisonville, Schuyler Falls ambulance uh, corps there, the EMS. And we put it out on this table, and they were all around the table and unzippering it and pulling out these little face masks and these little things. Because the problem is you go on a call, and if it's for a toddler or an infant, all of a sudden you're sitting there cutting things down to size when you need to be helping this child or this baby. That is something I would have never thought about. Right. Wow. Okay. So they're pulling out all this child-sized stuff that is in this pediatric trauma kit. And it was like Christmas watching their, oh my gosh, look at this. And and so we get to do that once a year. We, you know, and that's just one of one project that we do. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's really cool. It is. Wow. See, I'm smiling right now yeah. saying it. Yeah. Let's keep moving. Because okay. I'm going, because I, I could just talk about this forever. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to sound like an elitist because I get to give back. But let's talk about giving back a little mm-hmm. bit. And, you know, what does giving back mean to you? Right. And you actually just touched on a really good point. I think a lot of people think that joining a service organization means I have to give lots of money. And it doesn't. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to pay your dues, yes. But there are lots of ways to volunteer your time or your talent without handing over money that you might not have. Right. I mean, I remember when I was 23 and I was struggling financially, I didn't have dinner was $20 a week at our Kiwanis meeting and there's happy dollars and there's 50 fifties and you kind of start feeling like, you know, I am, I'm not giving enough. Right. But, and that's something that we tell all of our new members, this, there is no pressure to do any of this. You do what you can. And the other thing that I love about our organization is that some organizations have attendance requirements. Oh, sure. Um, you know, so then you're making feel bad. People feel bad if they can't get there, they might have a work obligation, a family obligation. So what we say to people is, 
if you can make one meeting a month, great. If you can, if you, we see you three times a year, great. We want you to give what you can when you can. That's awesome. Without limitations. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to say, though, in, in my past, though, I've, I have decided not to join organizations because of all of the added financial obligations. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it's not that much mm-hmm. and I might spend that much helping somebody else on my own, mm-hmm. um, it, it can be daunting. Right. So it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear that there's an organization that has a little wiggle room mm-hmm. as far as, or at least understanding. That's really cool. Right. And I think there's a lot of mystery surrounding that. So I will just say out front, you know, just so, to give an example, I mean, our dues are $120. If you break that down, that's $10 a month to... Um, you know, belong to this organization. Now, we've had people over the years leave, uh, either for time or whatever, but they always say, you know what, I loved being a part of this organization. Please let me know when you're doing an event and I will still come and help. And they do. And that's great too. We always need volunteers. So, you know, if you're on Facebook, Plattsburgh New Kiwanis Club, and you'll see, you know, we will be asking for help when we do our coin drive. Literally, the more bodies we have there standing in the street, and I know some people don't like it, then it, go by. We're no judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, but this past year, we had the most people volunteer, and we raised the most money we ever had. That's amazing. That's awesome because we are we are still surrounded by a pandemic. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Wow. So I don't want people to think that, you know, especially with a service organization, that, you know, you have to have a lot of money. You don't. Um, but it, it just is amazing that you can give back in any variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Like I said, so, you know, we'd love you to have you in Kiwanis, but you can help out in any number of ways um, without doing that as well. So giving back itself is really yeah. what's important. Like if you don't have the, the money, right? but you have a little time, you'll right. take the time. Right. That's fantastic. Absolutely. That's great. Pretty cool. Yes. Okay. So um, let's take a little sidestep here. Mm-hmm. Outside of Kiwanis, what do you do to enjoy your life? Well, so one of the major things that has happened in my life in the last year is uh, my husband and I bought a home. We have been renting for a very long time, always kind of looking in the last several years for where do we want to live and what do we want in our home. Mm-hmm. And everyone's always said to me, well, what's your ideal place to live? Mm-hmm. And I've always said 100 acres in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I like my solitude. I like being by myself, maybe because of what I do. But sure. Yeah. So You need your oasis. Yes. Okay. So the reason I give that story is because it is an oasis. Mm-hmm. Um, so as anyone who knows, when you buy a house, there's a million things to do, and it will take you years. Oh, yeah. To yeah. do the basic stuff. It takes you about 15 years to move into a house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So the great thing has just been discovering the property itself. You know, it's it's almost all of it is wooded. Um, so being out in nature mm-hmm. has been great, being mm-hmm. able to spend time out in nature. We inherited chickens and guineas with the house Ooh, oh guinea hens oh gosh oh no 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 and and i have to say because some people don't know what guineas are so i will explain yeah they're slightly smaller than a chicken yep and they are the greatest natural alarm system the the worst animals i'd have to say that I've, i've been around though are peacocks peacocks sound like dying cats guinea hens just sound like a broken hinge Right? <laughs> the, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. 
Wheat, wheat. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, so then that was its own challenge because I had never raised, you know, I've had dogs, you know, I've never raised livestock before. So dogs and chickens are different. They are. <laughs> so the great thing there was, you know, just doing the research, which I love, but the chickens have personalities just like any other animal. Oh, yeah, sure. And so, you know, they all have names. They all have their personalities. My favorite is Bossy, and I've named them all. Ooh. And she is the boss. Nice. Um, but she's also the one that is that likes, you know, me the most. Of so course. she'll come out and eat out of my hand and, you wow. know, come over. The others have somewhat, but I think once we ended up getting a tractor because – it's you need one in the middle of the woods um obviously it's a loud sound and i think that scares them a bit but um they're used to it too but so it's you know that's been interesting and then behind our property is a 250 acre wildlife management area the lewis preserve Mm -hmm. so if anyone knows ellenberg depot this is eltona um the jerusalem road Mm -hmm. is uh the road that takes you to the lewis preserve and so that's borders our property so that road is a dirt road and it's two miles to where it kind of goes into really a um logging Mm -hmm. road if you go so and there are very very few houses like when you see the google map of my house there's nothing around it it's all green and some people have said you know well, A, does that make you feel lonely? No, not at all. Oh, no. I love it. Um, or do you feel in danger? And that's where the guineas come in because you, no. you, will, you will know the second anything is around because oh, yeah. the guineas will let you know. So, uh, you know, that's been great. So that's great. all of this and one of the things I wanted to talk about sure. with, you know, mental health was to me the woods are incredibly therapeutic. Oh, sure. Now yeah. nature in general, but... Um, Thoreau said, I took a walk in the woods and came out taller than the trees. Mm, I love that. And to me, that, that absolutely sets it, says it all. I mean, I can't, if I'm, you know, mad or angry or whatever, I can't go for a walk in the woods and come out and be that person anymore. It's just wonderful. And I was reading an article that said 90% of our lives as Americans is spent indoors. And I think that that could be a huge part of our mental health issue is that we're not connected to nature so a lot of people believe that i can i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of uh studies that Mm -hmm. that state that you know just connecting with nature can improve your outlook on life right yes so so i was reading this article in psychology today about this and um there's a term in japan shinrin yoku and my apologies if i'm saying that wrong (laughs) um but it's basically forest bathing is how the the and it's using all of your five senses so Mm. pretty much when you're in the woods you're listening you're um seeing you're touching things i mean the only thing okay bring a snack and you're eating But all of your five senses are engaged. And one of the things they said is, you know, for mental health, there's a reduction in your the stress hormone cortisol. Mm -hmm. Um, You have decreased feelings of anxiousness. Um, Your mood, overall mood improves. Um, Physically, your pulse goes down. Mm -hmm. Your fight or flight is decreased. Mm -hmm. Um, It actually improves your immune functioning. And then cognitively, um, there are studies that um, have suggested that improves your creativity. So, you know, and then, of course, I always think of Thoreau of, you know, life in the woods. Yeah. Um, But that to me is one of the 
greatest things that came out of this stressful situation of having to buy this house oh, yeah. was now there is, like you said, this oasis. Yeah. And we're blessed in the North Country that we have so many, you know, parks and, and public areas yeah. that, you know, if you haven't gone to visit Pointer Rush in a long time or if you haven't gone to Macomb Park, go to those places. There's so many places to connect to that are free. You know, we're talking about oh, yeah. people who are struggling, might not have money. Um, you know, going for a walk in the woods or any open space is just therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you live in the city of Plattsburgh and you do not have transportation, mm -hmm. there are nature-esque areas that you can walk to, even mm -hmm. just walking along the lake. Yeah, the bike or, path. Yeah, the yeah. Saranac River Trail. Mm -hmm. There's some uh, beautiful connections as far as that. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, nature is super important. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things, though, that when you're struggling or you're kind of just dealing with the day-to-day, you don't really think to, oh, I'm going to go for a hike. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. But when you do go for that walk, yeah. things get better. Yeah, It's just, it's like magic, but it's actually science and it's all right. there. All right. right. So that's wonderful. So, and then the other thing that I discovered last year that I wasn't able to do because I knew we were going to move is called winter sewing. Winter sewing. And sewing is S-O-W-I-N-G. Okay. Um, you can actually, how this works is if you picture a one gallon milk jug mm -hmm. and you cut it in half and you put soil in there and cut holes in the bottom and you put seeds in there and you flip the you know, hinge part over, you can duct tape it, you leave the cap off, and December, January, February, you can put these outside. Now, people would say, how in the world would that not destroy the seeds? How can that possibly grow? Seeds are pretty resilient. They are very resilient. Yeah. And the nice thing is, like, you know, for gardening as I'm getting into it, is there's always, you know, the the rush of, you know, when do you properly plant seed, you know, this seed versus that seed and oh. how long it takes to sow. Winter sowing takes all of that away. Because oh. when it's ready, it's going to bloom. Right. And the theory is they're more hardy because they've already been winterized. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so when they're blooming, then you can go plant them out in your yard. Yeah. And, you know, there's probably a, a lot of different seeds that you can do that with. Yeah. So. And pretty much everything. So there's a great Facebook group, if you are interested, called Winter Sewing. Winter um, Sewing. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then the other happy struggle I had from last fall, I love tulips. And I bought 200 because we have lots of room. Wow. And uh, But every time I went to plant them, because you're supposed to plant them in the fall, we had massive rainstorms. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's like January, and I see them out on the enclosed porch that we have, and I'm like, are they going to be killed because they've been frozen out on this, you know? So I mm. asked somebody, and they said, no, you know, you'll, they'll be fine. Just, you know, plant them. Well, of course, the ground here is frozen compared to where this person lived. Sure. So I thought, I've never tried to force bulbs before. So I ordered 50 plastic gallon containers mm -hmm. and put some soil in and started planting these tulips on the weekends. And before you know it, like I just thought that they were going to be fine. Instead of putting them out on the porch so they'd be cold again, they started sprouting. Right, because they were because you you put them in a warm environment. Right, right. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, I have to plant all of these very quickly <laughs> so right now in my house there are 125 tulip bulbs in various um That's growths cool. so i think at some point we are just going to have this massive tulip garden inside of our house which is that great it's beautiful awesome. yeah 
and then you know so this fall I'll just you know go actually plant them in the ground but yeah. You know, just one of those things where I could have gotten really hard on myself for, geez, you didn't plant these and you wasted, you know, $60 or whatever they cost. Um, but instead, it also gave me a way to relax yeah. on weekends, you know, yeah. just putting the soil in the container and put the tulip in. And, yeah. And, and, then, and also doing the research. Is right. To, you know, that, that can be therapeutic, too. And then also experimenting. I tried with, you know, normally you have to space them out. So, you know, in certain ways. And so I tried one tulip per container and mm. two. And then I had bigger containers. I put four or five. And, you right. know, so it's just like I'm learning something that I didn't know before. Right. And I'm playing in the dirt, which I always love. <laughs> and um, having a great time doing it. So, you mm. know, we can find those mental health breaks in all different kinds of ways. Right. You know, you don't have to sit on your cushion doing meditation, although that is fabulous. Um, but in just everyday things, if you're just kind of letting go, right? you know, people do that with cooking or baking because you have to focus on what you're doing. Yeah. You're not focusing on your struggles. Yeah. So, and that's really important that you bring all this up because when you have a, a job that as a public servant, you're bombarded with stress mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Yes. You might be able to manage it well, but stress is still stress and right. it weighs on you. Right. And when, you know, your other things that you do in your life is giving back to the community and fundraising and all that kind of stuff, even though it's it's fun and it helps you, it's still a little stressful. And now you've got this oasis. Now you've right. got this place where you can go to kind of not completely shut the world out, but also have that moment of, of Zen on a mm-hmm. regular basis. Right. 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 And that, that's wonderful. And I, I think, I think there has to be a way that everybody can mm-hmm. experience this in some way. And it's just about finding that. Right. And I think that that's what I've done for all of these years when I didn't, you know, kind of own my own home. So I couldn't do the things I wanted to. Right. Um, you know, so that's where I really discovered you know the the parks around and being able to mm-hmm. you know when i lived in morrisonville i was at macomb park all the time oh it's loving it's, it it's beautiful yeah. i love i love macomb park i, I actually spent uh, my earliest years growing up in Katyville. so okay. we went to macomb beach and macomb park pretty mm-hmm. regularly right or like i said pointer rush or even just having you know if you can even find a corner in a room you know even if it's in your bedroom um, where you can hang up something you see in a magazine that's beautiful. You know, art is beautiful, and it has its own, you know, qualities, common qualities, depending on what kind of art you're looking at. Sure. But yeah. um, just finding the beauty, I think, in every day is something that is really important. Yeah. Let's get back to Kimberly Davis and what mm. she does uh, as far as giving back. So how could... So if anyone listening to this podcast, if they were like, well, I really want to give back. I Mm -hmm. want to be involved. Maybe I want to be involved with the Kwanas. Maybe I want to volunteer Mm -hmm. or just make my community a better place. Mm -hmm. What do you think that they should do? They should really listen to what their passion is. Okay. And believe me, there is a group out there that needs your help. Um, So again, whether it's you know, I'm sure all of us that are, you know, still considered old using Facebook, but, you know, (laughs) there are events that everyone is sharing all the time Mm -hmm. about, you know, here's what we're doing. Two of the big issues I have in my life are food insecurity and housing. Oh, okay. And so one of the things that big project we're going to start working on with Kiwanis um, is called Stuff the Strand. And so what we want to do is have this be, you know, an every year project. 
And this October will be our first year doing it. And the goal is, I don't know exactly how many seats there are in the Strand, let's say 900, um, Mm. that we want a pound of food on every seat. Whoa. And then next year we want two pounds. And the year after we want three. And the year after we want four. That's awesome. And we want the entire community. And in this case, we actually want all of Clinton County to be involved. Mm Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to reach out to the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts and, you know, have some friendly competitions, you know, maybe different fire departments to get different fire departments and um, the sororities versus the fraternities at the college. But we want everyone to understand that there is a huge need for the basic thing of life, which is food in our community. Yeah. And then um, we'll take all of that and distribute it to JCEO because they have all of these outreach centers across the county. Yep. Um, and, you know, so that's one of the things that, you know, that we're doing. So you look at your whatever you think is the most uh, important need to you. Yeah. You're, it's, you can find an organization. And if you can't find an organization, let me know. I'll point you in the right, right direction, even yeah. if it isn't with Kiwanis, although we would love everyone to join. Um there are so many needs and so many organizations in our community. We have an incredibly giving, passionate community. I believe so. Um, we could not do everything we do in Kiwanis without the support of the community. And yeah. I think all service organizations and all groups, nonprofit groups in this area, think that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the world has changed a lot since COVID mm-hmm. hit. and uh, But the need hasn't gone away. In fact, it's become more, more intense. Right. Right. And so one of the things that we focus on anytime we do a regular food drive, but also with the Stuff the Strand project, is because we focus on kids, Mm -hmm. we are going to ask people, can you please donate baby food? Can you please donate wipes, diapers? Formula is incredibly expensive. Yeah. I mean, you know, $15, $20 for one can of formula um, is just mind boggling. And so... Um, those are other ways that when you think of a food drive, you might not think of donating diapers, but there is an incredible need. And again, if you don't have kids or it's been a long time, go into the grocery store and see how much a package of diapers are. It's It's, ridiculous. Yes. It is. It is. And so it's great that you have this opportunity. And also, you don't need to be somebody who has a lot to Mm -hmm. give. You can just give what you can. And that's totally acceptable right and even if you don't have anything to give you could help us by volunteering by doing a a mini food drive in your own neighborhood and bringing that to the stuff the strand project so or even sharing it on facebook there you go right that helps too yes so uh one thing else that you brought up was housing Mm -hmm. how's that important to you so housing is one of those things where if you know you look at Maslow's hierarchy, you sure. know, it's it's that basic thing. And I remember growing up, we didn't have very much. And, you know, something was always wrong with a house or something was always wrong with a car. Right. And but you were I, fortunate because you had a house. Right, right. Exactly. And I saw when I, you know, my, my parents didn't have money to send me to school, so I went to work right away. And mm-hmm. I worked in a low-income neighborhood, which was a blessing because I learned so much that even though we didn't have much, we had much more than others. Right. And it's always relative. Right. And learned their struggles. And so many people, if you don't have housing, if you don't have good housing, if you don't have any housing, it affects every aspect of your life. You cannot concentrate as a child on your schoolwork if there's a drip, you know, in your roof or if... If you're 
home is too cold. That is warm. a big thing, right? Yeah. The heat, heat, heating costs are are a big thing. Or you know, phone. You know, back in the day when we didn't have caller ID or anything, mm-hmm. and the phone just rang and you answered it. Um, bill collectors calling. Oh, you know, yeah. it's just or you know, if a child is listening to parents fighting over money because you know the rent just went up. So you know, housing is really important to me. One of the things I'm working on as treasurer is the formation of a Clinton County land bank. Mm, yes. Now, this came from a different reason. There, are, um, there aren't there are enough resources for towns to deal with zombie properties. And, and what's a zombie property? So zombie property, you, you can think of your local Main Street, not that we have Main Streets, but um, your downtown or your community where there's a vacant or abandoned home yeah. or commercial building, an empty storefront. There are plenty of buildings that are falling down and no one's taking care of them. Right. And so that was kind of the impetus for the land bank right. was to have municipalities kind of join in voluntarily, um, take some of the sales tax money that the county shares with them Mm -hmm. to pool together to take turns to deal with these zombie properties. So how housing comes into this, when I started looking at laying down the groundwork for the land bank, I wanted housing to be an option Mm -hmm. because there were towns that said, oh, you know, we really don't have that many zombie properties. Why should we belong to this land bank? And so we kind of expanded it to include affordable housing, senior housing. Yeah. Um, senior housing is important, too, because you have people who have spent their entire life being, you know, uh, active in their community. You know, family moves away. They don't need this big house anymore. Sure. But there isn't a place for them to stay in their own community. Right. Um, I wanted to make sure that was involved, uh, included, and then also economic development because there are things that might not fit in any of these other boxes where, hey, if we could take this building and repurpose it into something else, that is going to help the community. Right. And so, you know, we kind of have these multiple areas. Because housing is a major issue Mm -hmm. in our area, but also globally. Right. And if we can make anything a little easier so that we can get a little further along the road to making sure that a family can stay in our community. Right. That's an awesome thing. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. So what does the future hold for Kimberly Davis? The future is so bright. You got to wear shades now. <laughs> right. I don't remember who sang that song, but yeah. Um, and by the way, that was a reference. That to was an nuclear, 80s reference. It was a re- regular. <laughs> it was a reference to nuclear war, but we can we can make it a positive thing. So it was also a song. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the future for me, it was you know a lot of people have asked if I'm going to run for higher office again. Uh, the very clear answer is no. <laughs> As with any struggle, I was, I'm was i glad that I did it. Right. It was a great learning experience. I met an amazing amount of wonderful people throughout this community and, of course, um, south and west of here. Um, but politics in general is negative. Yeah. It's toxic. Yeah. And generally, when I've looked back um, on what I've done politically, there's only about 10% of the time that something good's happening or something positive that you're a part of that makes up for the 90% of the time oh, sure. that it's negative. Yeah. You know, when I ran, people judged me solely by the letter of the political party I'm affiliated with. And there are lots of things that I can't say on this podcast that I was called because just of that letter, people don't want to get to know you. They want to see that letter and judge you. And so 
again, glad I did it. Yeah. Not doing it again. So the way I figured I could use my political knowledge and to help others is several years ago, um, some friends and I were together talking about the difficulties of being a woman running for office. Absolutely. And looking at the sad statistics of women in government locally. Right. And so we formed a PAC, a political action committee, called North Country Women United. And we are dedicated to recruiting, training, and supporting Democratic women in the North Country, in Clinton, Franklin, and Essex counties. Um, But we had of our small group of women that ran last year who had opposition, 71% of them won their race. Whoa. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. In our first year, we were doing a house party in Essex County to talk to women about what we were doing. And a woman said, well, how would I know if I'm qualified to run for office? And I said, well, I didn't know when I was a little girl that I was going to grow up and be county treasurer. I don't have an accounting degree. I have a business degree with an accounting minor. Mm -hmm. And I said, it just is the will and the want to do something to change people's lives for the better. That's what politics is supposed to be about. Right. Those are good qualifications. Yes. And so she said, but how do I know if I'm qualified? And I said, you have to be 18 and get one more vote than your opponent. Right. That's what it takes to get elected. Now, we're going to train you on how to do that, what the legal ramifications are and requirements, and how to get those votes. Mm -hmm. And we'll give you the money to do that. That's awesome. So that is where I spend my you know, political capital. So you took a lot of what you learned and instead of saying, you know what, this wasn't for me, I'm going to move on. But now you're also helping bring women into politics in our area. And that's, where do you have the time for this? (laughs) Well, it's funny because before we got onto the podcast, I was talking to you about um, how important it is to say no for your mental health. Right. And so when I kind of, In these last two months, I would say, really sat down to look at what do I want to be doing Mm -hmm. in my next phase of my life. Yes, I do hope for my career that I will be treasurer until I retire, Um, but that's not your life. Sure. And so I have this great home now that is, as you said, my oasis, and I'm trying to take time that I had been spending on other things that Mm -hmm. might not have been as rewarding and putting it into my home. Right. But also, like you said, using the rest of my time in a way where I feel like I am making a difference and not just doing what I might be good at or whether what others expect me to do because it's my life. Um, so, Kimberly Davis, thank you so much for being on this podcast and imparting uh, some of your, your wisdom and sharing your journey with us. Is there anything else that you would like to say, any advice that you would like to give to our listeners? Well, first, thanks for having me on here. Thanks for doing what you do in the community. Um, You are a bright beacon out to all of us who know you. Thank you. And I would just say that um, really when we're looking at our mental health, when we're looking at ourselves and trying to do that hard work, Mm -hmm. just be easy on yourself. You know, I'm one of those people that uh, I think it would scare a lot of people if they heard the tape in my mind that goes around all the time. Yeah. Um, And so... Certainly at this point in my life, I'm trying to, you know, slow that down and, and, you know, erase that tape. But just making sure that you are taking time as often as you can, even if it's for five minutes, even if it's for one minute, and just 
being still, breathing, and thinking about something that makes you happy. Wonderful. Well said. Thank you. So to our listeners, if you have any questions or comments or thoughts uh, on Kimberly Davis, I will have information on how you can um, get a hold of of her uh, in the show notes, but also information on Kiwanis in the show notes. And you can also reach out to me and tell me, do we want to have Kimberly Davis on this podcast again? I hope the answer is yes. Uh, So take care of yourselves and Kimberly, take care of yourself because we all know that survival is more than just staying alive.